People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. So we recorded this episode probably about an hour after the Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis news had broke. And since then, they responded with a joint statement, which, I mean, we haven't heard them do a joint anything in a while. So we just wanted to read that statement and then kind of discuss it a little bit more in a soft open now that it's been 24 hours or so after the news broke. So in a statement to people, they said... As parents, it's incredibly upsetting to learn that a former nanny of our two young children would choose to make such false and scurrilous accusations about us publicly. Her now 18-month-long campaign of harassing us, as well as loved ones, close friends, and colleagues, has reached its unfortunate apex. We will continue to focus on raising and protecting our children with the sincere hope that she will now choose to leave our family alone. So they're pretty much saying that everything she said was false. Right. And in our discussion, we talk about it as if it's true, because that was the only information we had at the time. Although we do repeatedly say, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. And I'm sure the reality of the situation here is that there are some things that are true and there are some things that are fabricated or exaggerated. And, you know, I don't think it's 100 percent true or 100 percent false. No, I think that there's probably a gray area. I mean, I, I, I'm sure we said this in the discussion. It still feels like one of those things where if you're the nanny, you feel really wronged and you want to be able to share your story, especially because you feel that it was wrongful termination or at least termination that didn't allow you to collect unemployment. At the same time, if you're them, this feels highly, highly intrusive and you know, like very intimate details about your family dynamic and family structure are being shared. So it's kind of a shitty situation all around. Of course. And I mean, based on their statement, it's clear that she's been using this story against them for months. And I will say that I think that because screenshots were included, which, you know, we obviously can't verify how real they are, but I think because they were included in this article, it made things lean a little bit more in favor towards what the nanny was saying, having some truth to it. Whereas if they were left out entirely, I don't know if we would carry this conversation with that same weight. Oh, totally. I mean, also though, I have to imagine that there was some verification process that was done with her before releasing, you know, such a shocking interview, no? Yeah. I mean, listen, at the very least, we know 100% that this was their nanny. It's not like their joint statement came out saying like, we don't know who this woman is. She never worked for us or she worked for us for a week. And she's not really somebody that was part of our family. They confirmed the fact that she was an employee of theirs. And so right off the bat, there is some truth to what she is saying, regardless of, you know, how much truth there is. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I honestly don't even remember exactly our initial reaction because we were so shocked that this was happening, especially right before we were recording. But, you know, having a little more time to process it, I still think it's messy all around. And I don't think one person is 100% in the right. I think from what's described, Olivia didn't go about it in the best way. I also think the relationship probably had some issues beforehand, because if it's true that Jason is laying in front of a car to prevent her to going to see Harry, what else was going on there that, that, uh, you know, could have led to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that even if everything hypothetically in this article that was said was a hundred percent true, let's just say for argument's sake, there are still missing pieces that we don't get. There's still fill in the blanks that we don't have answers to. And so with the understanding that 
we can't trust everything that was said, that leaves even more things that we would want to fill in the blank with, even more things that we don't know. And so we're never going to get 100% the answer as to what's going on here. No, no, not at all. But interesting that they released a joint statement and we will see how this continues to unfold. And I guess let's go to the episode now, which was recorded yesterday. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. I am. This Jason Sudeikis Olivia Wilde bombshell really saved us today. I went to bed last night absolutely praying that a story would break. And then we woke up to this. I mean, we go on to record last night and we're like, all right, how are we going to talk about Haley and Selena for 45 minutes? Because there was really nothing else going on, especially because the Kardashian recap is pretty much non-existent because I think they're really trying to lay low at the current moment as not to incite Kanye. So we're like, okay, we'll sleep on it. We'll go on on Monday. Something else will come out. We'll release the episode on Tuesday. It's better to release it a day later than to not have stories. I was confident something was going to come out. I was just not expecting a tell-all from the former nanny. A a nanny tell-all is very vintage. It feels very early 2000s to me. I don't think you get that anymore. In this whole Jason and Olivia saga, I never expected information to come out in this way. No, I know. And I was thinking about it timeline-wise for a second because Don't Worry Darling started filming in September 2020, and it was mid-November 2020 when the reports of Jason and Olivia splitting up started to surface. It wasn't until January 2021 when we actually saw Harry and Olivia together, but let's say November to January, that was really chaotic in terms of Jason and Olivia. And then when all of the drama and the chaos started happening with the cast of Don't Worry Darling, I actually think the Olivia and Jason of it all almost took a back seat. And now, you know, Don't Worry Darling is over. The press is over. There's not much drama about the cast left to come out. And we're right back as if it's November 2020 with Jason and Olivia. I feel like I almost manifested this story because I said to you last night, Life was so much better when there was just a constant stream of don't worry, darling drama to talk about. And now it's over and we don't have that anymore. And so then we wake up the next morning and we get the nanny towel. Like that was me. I agree. And honestly, listen, I read this entire article. I was holding on to every single word. And of course, we're going to discuss it. I do have to say, though, it felt intrusive. Like, If it's provided to us, I'm obviously going to read it and I definitely want to talk about it. And I'm not even necessarily blaming the nanny. Clearly, she feels like she was wrong. But I was reading these text messages and I was like, wow, this is very intimate. It almost feels like something we should not be reading. Oh, I mean, it's insanely intrusive, which is also why you rarely get a nanny tell-all because think about it. We have this conversation often. The people in Hollywood that have the most information are the glam teams, the PR teams. We forget Of everybody, it's probably the nannies that have the absolute most. And it's become increasingly more rare that we see them speak out or tell their story. Well, this feels, obviously, the two are not comparable. But remember when Shia LaBeouf posted the video that Olivia had sent him saying Miss Flo? Yes. It's kind of a similar energy of like, whoa, now we're getting the cracks filled in. Well, that's what we're constantly doing as the public. We're trying to fill in those bits and pieces of information that we're missing. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we never, ever get answers to. Like, think about a story that breaks. We are probably getting 5 to 10% of that story at absolute most, especially like a really salacious, juicy story like this. And so anytime where you get screenshots or private videos or things that were meant to be kept 100% behind the scenes, it's always going to feel intrusive because you're never used to that with a celebrity story. 90% of the time, it doesn't come out like that. I know. So, okay. You want you want to get into it? Yes. Okay. So earlier today, the story breaks on Daily Mail by Ruth Stiles titled Exclusive. Ex-nanny lays bare how, quote, giddy Olivia Wilde became so besotted with Harry Styles on set of Don't Worry Darling, she dumped fiance Jason Sudeikis and left him so crazed he threw himself under her car to prevent from going to love her. So all of a sudden you're like, holy shit. I'm just going to read the next two lines just for you to paint the picture. And then we're going to get into the details of the article and all of that. I'm obviously not going to read the entire thing. The nanny who was caught in the middle of the warring pair has now spoken out in a blockbuster interview with DailyMail.com, detailing how Sudeikis was left heartbroken, Wilde besotted with her new man and their two young children, Otis 8 and Daisy 6, caught in the legal tug of war between them. Wilde 38 has always insisted that she and Sudeikis parted ways in early 2020, and her affair with former boy bander Styles started months later. 
She told Vanity Fair, quote, the complete horseshit idea that I left Jason for Harry is completely inaccurate. Our relationship was over long before I met Harry. But, in fact, she was talking in marriage to Sudeikis as late as October that year, the nanny said, and broke up with Sudeikis a month later, just weeks after she began filming Don't Worry Darling with Styles in Palm Springs, California. So the first thing I want to say is if you just hear that, and also I would say if you read the first part of the article, you think this is coming from the perspective of someone who is very much team Jason and very much anti-Olivia. As you read the rest of the article, the conclusion that I think you draw, or at least the one that I came to, is maybe the nanny leans a little more towards Jason, but her basic point is the way this whole thing went down is entirely toxic. Neither of them are totally in the right. Olivia's lying about the timeline, but Jason isn't perfect either. And basically, she feels wronged in all of this based on how abruptly she feels she was fired. They maintain that she resigned. And because of that, she's unable to receive unemployment. So once you really go through the article, you get to the gist of it, which is she thinks this whole thing was wild. She doesn't like the way that she was treated. And she thinks that they both have some discrepancies in their story. But from hearing that, I think you would think it's coming from the perspective of someone who is 100% team Jason, and that's not necessarily the case. Yes, it's definitely from the perspective of somebody who has a lot of sympathy for Jason. And definitely, I think, you know, the way she describes it, um, as the nanny, she felt very a part of the family. And so there's a resentment towards Olivia that she clearly has in terms of what she views as breaking up the family that she was a part of. What's interesting as you get into the text messages and the way that everything unfolded is that she definitely has resentment towards Jason for how her unemployment, whether it was the resignation or the firing went down. And you see in those moments, the text messages, she turns to kind of lean on Olivia, expecting Olivia to help her out. And Olivia doesn't provide her with that. So I think that there was a point where she could have been almost swayed to be team Olivia in all of this, had Olivia helped her out in what she was going through with Jason. But because she didn't feel like that took place. She feels pretty wronged by both of them, but just with the sympathy for Jason that this was started by Olivia. Right, exactly. In terms of her own personal involvement, she feels equally wronged by both of them. But if she's looking at their relationship objectively, I think she feels that Olivia is more in the wrong. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. And as you read this, it makes more sense why she's doing this tell-all. And not that I necessarily think it's right for somebody who's as the nanny who had an involvement in the kid's life to be doing this. I do think that that's a gray area, but I think that she felt very, very in the middle of it. And her unemployment is a direct result of the trouble in their marriage and what they went through during their separation. So I can understand her position in being able to talk about it and wanting to share her story from her perspective. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into the details of this in a second, but I am going to put the link to the article in the description, and I really urge you to read it because in it, there are a lot of screenshots of alleged text messages between the nanny and Jason and the nanny and Olivia, and you really have to read them to fully understand what's going on here because I have to say, one of my biggest takeaways was kind of how dysfunctional the working relationship seemed just in general. It really felt like she was in the middle of something she should not have been put in the middle of, even just in the way the texts were spoken. Don't you kind of feel that way? Incredibly dysfunctional. And as you read the text message, basically what happened with her unemployment is that she felt very in the middle of this. And so she resigned and said that she would stay on for six months following her resignation in January um, until they found somebody else. In February, what is alleged in the text messages and her story is that Jason actually fired her early or earlier than when she was meant to leave because she was having contact with Olivia, which seems insane and goes back to your earlier point of how dysfunctional it is because she's the nanny for the kids. She works for both parents. And so for Jason to have fired her based off the fact that she had contact with Olivia is just where this whole situation involving the nanny really, really goes wrong. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you get from the alleged text messages, which again, I really urge you to read them because it paints a, a clearer picture than I think I would be able to describe without you reading them yourself, is clearly both Jason and Olivia from her description of it felt that she had a sense of loyalty to each of them. And when they feel that that was betrayed, it kind of got in the way of their willingness to deal with her, which from her perspective, her real loyalty was to the children. And something that she expresses is that she really wants the opportunity to be able to see the kids again to explain that she didn't just abandon them because she feels from their perspective, 
all of a sudden one day she was no longer there after caring for them for so long. So that's also an element of all of this. Right. Absolutely. So I kind of think the best way to start this is just to go back to the timeline for a second, because like I said, September 2020, Olivia cast Harry and Don't Worry Darling. It actually starts filming in October. And according to the nanny, November 8th, 2020 is the date Olivia left Jason. If you remember, November 13th, 2020 was when the news broke to the public that Olivia and Jason were splitting after their seven-year engagement. And at the time, a source had told people, quote, the split happened at the beginning of the year. It's been amicable and they've transitioned to a great co-parenting routine. The children are the priority and the heart of the family's relationship. So at the time, I remember us saying, you know, this feels very amicable. We can't imagine there's going to be so much chaos. And then the Harry rumor started. And then January 2021 is when they were spotted for the first time, Harry and Olivia, holding hands at Jeffrey Azoff's wedding. Remember, she was in that very colorful long sleeve dress with kind of the pink scarf on her head. So if you remember, the story that was circulating was that Olivia's team was basically trying to rewrite the narrative by saying that the breakup occurred early 2020, when in reality, it occurred right around the same time that she started filming Don't Worry Darling and started to get together with Harry. And there was a lot of back and forth on that. Some people believed it. Some people didn't. I would say in the last year or so, that seemed to become the story that most people did believe. But what the nanny is saying is that, according to her, November 8th is when Harry and Olivia got together. And let's say that that timeline is accurate. That would mean that the public found out five days later about her and Jason's split, which, I mean, if that is true, the chaos that must have ensued inside that home is on such a large scale because so much was happening in such a short amount of time. Well, if you are looking at the nanny's timeline also, the incident in which Jason is laying under Olivia's car preventing her from leaving happened on November 13th, the day that the split was announced. Yeah, I, I got to read this one paragraph. So this is from the article. This is on November 13th. Okay, this is from Roostas for Daily Mail. On November 13th, Wild, who was briefly staying at the family house while Sudeikis was away, went to a party with Styles in Silver Lake before getting home at 4 a.m. Two days later, Wild infuriated Sudeikis by preparing a salad for Styles with her, quote, special dressing in the family kitchen, leaving him ranting furiously at her and filming the encounter before he tried to prevent her leaving by lying under the car. The nanny explained, quote, the night she left with her salad, Jason had chased after her, videotaping her in the house. She was saying, I'm scared of you, Jason. I'm scared of you. And he said, if you're scared of me, why are you leaving your kids with me? So then Jason went outside and laid under the car so she wouldn't leave. She got in her car to back up. He laid under her car so she wouldn't leave. She went back into the house and he went in. It was back and forth. He said he was doing it on purpose to make her late going to see Harry. Jason told me, quote, she made this salad and she made her special dressing and she's leaving with her salad to have dinner with Harry. I said, what salad dressing? He said, she has a special salad dressing she makes for us and she's taking it to have with him now. I mean, the way the salad dressing just entered the conversation is, is really wild. I have to know what the dressing is. I have to know. Like I'm thinking a little olive oil, apple cider vinaigrette thing. Yeah, like something with Dijon, I'm assuming. I was, oh, I was thinking Dijon, maybe a little bit of honey. The only thing – by the way, you're saying that because that's the dressing that I make. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the only other option is maybe it's like an Asian ginger dressing. Ooh, I love a little sesame. And then the question about the salad dressing is, is it, does the salad change and the dressing is always the same or is it a special salad with the special dressing? I don't know. From the way he described it, it sounds like it was pretty versatile. So it could be mixed greens. It could be romaine. Maybe she's throwing in some onions sometime. I don't know. It seems like it's something that could really hold its own with any vegetables is how I'll put it. That is one special dressing. Yeah. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. 
Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Anyway, I mean, not to really bury the lead here, according to this encounter, Jason Sudeikis, like, let's all just wrap our heads around this for a second. Basically, what this nanny is saying is that on November 13th, the day that the news of their split breaks to the world, Jason Sudeikis is laying under Olivia Wilde's car so that she cannot pull out all on purpose to make her late to see Harry Styles. Like, are we all processing this together? Because this feels like a huge fucking deal. I'm a little unclear in my head about the timeline of when the Olivia and Harry rumors started. Like, I can't remember if it was a big thing prior to the hand-holding pictures at the wedding, and then that confirmed it. I don't think it is. I think that we didn't know about this, and then those hand-holding pictures dropped, and it was like, oh my God, and that's when the timeline really, like, came together for that reason. Like, I, I, it's a little, you know, blurry in my head, but I will say that any time that we spoke about this and spoke about them getting together in the timeline of Jason and Olivia and Olivia leaving Jason for Harry, like we had this idea in our head, which was like, Jason and Olivia have this great marriage. She meets Harry. She's so enamored by him that she just has to leave her fiance. She just has to leave Jason. And we were almost kind of joking about it, but like in our minds, Harry Styles has that level of magnetism where you would just leave a perfectly healthy relationship for him. And based on like the way that the nanny is describing how things went down, that is what happened. To me, there's no way that that's entirely accurate. I have to imagine that there were issues within their marriage, whether they were being voiced or not. I don't think it was as picture perfect as we initially thought. However, it does give a little bit more truth to the idea that we had, like you said, which was not entirely untrue, but it was based in a little bit of fantasy when we were discussing it of like Harry Styles comes in and you just melt. Based on her description, that's kind of what happened, which I agree with you. Like that is wild. I mean, listen, obviously everything that's kind of said in this interview, we have to take with a grain of salt because like we said in the beginning, it does seem a little bit more skewed towards Jason, even though the nanny clearly has resentment towards both of them. So so we have no way of knowing if how she's describing Olivia's temperament towards Harry is 100% accurate. I mean, even let's say they were having issues in their marriage prior and it maybe wasn't going to last. The way that she describes Olivia's temperament in the time in which she started dating Harry is like, she basically says like she was giddy. She couldn't believe it. Like she was obsessed with him in sort of like this childish schoolgirl sort of way. And in the way that we view Harry Styles as the public, it's almost funny to have this real life example of like, yep, he's that powerful. I think also you have to keep in mind that it wasn't like she just met him in some random place. She met him on the movie set that she was directing. And 
I almost think, especially after seeing Don't Worry Darling, when she talks about, you know, going off to work for the day, it almost feels as though she was entering this fantasy world, which if you've seen Don't Worry Darling, it really does feel like that, that I could completely envision, and I was as I was reading this, this kind of giddy schoolgirl just overcome with joy emotion because I think she felt like she was living out this fantasy that she either had in her head or didn't know she had in her head until she met Harry, a.k.a. Jack. <laughs> right. No, like, I, I – yeah, you're right. I'm just having a kind of interesting time processing this. I don't know if you feel the same way, but what I said to you in the beginning really is true. It's like, listen, I'm not holier than thou here. 10 out of 10 times you give me this article, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read every single screenshot and I'm happy to talk about it. It's just at the same time, I have this very real awareness of like, I shouldn't be knowing this. There's no way that this feels like the ins and outs of something that we should know. At the same time, this woman feels very wronged clearly. And this is her way of potentially, you know, getting what she feels she deserves. So it's, it's complex. You know, what's crazy about it too, is like, it's not lost on me. And at the same time, it completely is lost on me that Harry is the one that's also in the middle of this whole drama. Like Harry Styles, who really goes to very, not extreme, but far lengths to keep his private life private, is now kind of at the center of one of the most public breakup dramas that we've had in a while. And you'll never get Harry's perspective on this. You'll never get his side of it. He's really not going to speak out in that sort of a way. But I can't imagine that this is something that he wants. Like It's so interesting to me that he picked Olivia or chose Olivia and and did so with the knowledge that he was entering into something that was going to be far more public than he was going to be comfortable with. Well, that's why I feel for both of their sakes, they must really like each other. Like, I still don't think this is endgame. I just, if you ask me my gut feeling, I don't. But they must both really like each other to continue in this amidst all of the chaos because it's not the best look for him. I'm not saying it's a terrible look for him, but especially at the time of the Don't Worry Darling stuff, it really wasn't. And so it, it you know, there's got to be something there. Oh, there has to be. That's not a doubt because it has to be worth it for both of them. It clearly in the way that Olivia is described in this, it's it's right off the bat worth it for her. Like the Harry Styles of it all was clearly like, even if it was a month-long relationship, even if it was a hookup, there was clearly something there for her that was worth it. Like, that's the way that she is described. And for Harry, it, it just, all of it has to be worth it. The don't worry, darling drama of it all, the being caught in the middle of this breakup, his private life becoming increasingly more public, the way that his fans interact with Olivia and treat her, like all of this has to be worth it. So yeah, he must really, really love her. Yeah. I mean, listen, the way that it's described in this article, which again, I cannot recommend enough you reading it because like, there's just no way to communicate all the details of the text. I want to read this one portion because it really gets into apparently the state of their marriage, then meeting Harry, and then how Jason found out. Again, take all of this with a grain of salt, but it's out. So we may as well talk about it. Okay. The nanny said she never noticed problems with her employer's relationship during the three years she spent working with the family. In fact, just a month before Wilde dumped Sudeikis on November 8th, 2020, the actress spoke to staff about her plans to marry him and to make their daughter Daisy a flower girl, the insider revealed. But that all changed after Wilde met Styles and swiftly fell for the singer, with the nanny claiming she even appeared visibly giddy and giggly around him when she took Daisy to visit her on set. Wilde began spending more and more time away from home, citing work, and eventually moved into the nearby 1650 a night Paramore State Hotel in LA at the start of November. She told her oblivious fiance the move was due to a COVID outbreak on set, but later dumped Sudeikis during a visit to the house they shared on November 8th. Distraught Sudeikis later uncovered the full details of her relationship with Styles by reading messages on an Apple Watch Wilde had left behind and swiftly banned the nanny from playing Styles' music near their children. In a furious rant, he said she had, quote, put the move on the former boy band star during a cast dinner in Palm Springs, where she also kissed him for the first time. The nanny said, quote, it was supposed to be a temporary break for COVID, but that turned out to be how she left us. He thought it was a temporary break. On the Monday morning, November 9th, when I came back from a weekend off, he was crying a lot, crying and crying. I didn't know what had happened at all. Quote, after I'd got the kids ready, Jason came upstairs and was having some coffee. He was crying in a mess saying, she left us. She left us. This is, whoa. Like, whoa. Yeah. No? Yeah. I mean, again, assuming this is true, we're just going to take what we have in front of us for the purpose of discussing it. 
Jason found out the full details about Olivia and Harry's relationship by reading messages on her Apple Watch. That was not something I was expecting, whether that's accurate or not. Listen, I don't condone cheating. I think it's very, very, very wrong. But if you're going to do it, take the Apple Watch, take the iPad. You can't be leaving clues around like this. But the thing that I'm still a little bit unclear on is how much did he know, assuming this timeline is accurate, how much did he know was going on before he found out? I don't know. I mean, the timeline's hard because clearly by November 13th, he knew that she was going to see Harry. So he must have known at that point that there was a relationship going on. I guess maybe what he could have found out through the Apple Watch is how long it had been going on for, whether it was serious. Um, You know, she could have ended things with him and not told him about the Harry of it all, or maybe, you know, said that one thing could have happened and that that was it, but she still wants to leave him, not really explaining a full relationship. And then the Apple Watch could have given clues into that, could have given clues into how long it was going on prior to that November 8th leaving date given clues into the fact, like the nanny says in the article about why Olivia was staying in the hotel when she alleged it was for COVID reasons. I don't know. I guess there's a lot that could come out for that from that. I mean, my mind is obviously just going because imagine it's like these really juicy texts between Olivia and Harry and Jason Sudeikis. I mean, really, I think that in order to fully wrap our heads around this story, you have to attempt to visualize. And so we have a photo of the house that they were apparently living in in Silver Lake, right? That's in the article. So you now need to imagine Jason Sudeikis allegedly sitting in this home in Silver Lake, finding Olivia Wilde's Apple Watch, let's say in the bedroom or in their closet, and sitting down on the bed reading the potentially juicy text messages between her and Harry Styles. That is a fucking wild visual. No, that's crazy, Em. I know. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. I want to get to the termination for a second because this is important, obviously, in terms of providing some context as to why she may be releasing this. So this is the paragraph from the article that details the nanny's termination. 
At the end of December 2020, the nanny traveled to London with Sudeikis and the two children to begin filming the second season of Ted Lasso. Sudeikis would also call and text her constantly from the Ted Lasso set, she claimed, asking if she had heard from Wilde and becoming angry if she texted her. Feeling, quote, manipulated and overwhelmed by the increasingly toxic relationship between her employers, the nanny told Sudeikis she wanted to leave at the end of January, but offered to continue working for another six months while they found her replacement. But on February 1st, the nanny claimed she was abruptly fired late at night by a, quote, drunk and out-of-control Sudeikis, who had become enraged after discovering she had texted Wilde. The nanny packed her bags and went to the $719 a night Rosewood London Hotel, where she stayed for a month with her dog, paid for by Wilde and Sudeikis. After flying back to the U.S., she said she was cut loose without severance pay and has been unable to claim unemployment because Sudeikis and Wilde have claimed she wasn't fired but resigned. It's interesting that they would both be on the same side of the quitting versus being fired argument, especially if what took place with the firing was really Jason letting her go over what seems like an incident that she had every right to be partaking in, aka texting Olivia. It's just strange to me that Olivia wouldn't have then backed her up on that. I mean, in one of the screenshots, and again, there are so many, but in one of the more recent ones that apparently happened between her and Olivia, the nanny saying to Olivia, Olivia, I have a ton to tell you of what I've been dealing with since you've been gone. You wouldn't know because you hadn't asked. I also sent Jason a revised contract and he had me resend a different one. I've asked both of you for a letter of recommendation before all this mess happens. It's happening. I want to leave in peace and forget about this whole thing. There's been major ongoing abuse and damages here as I'm trying to do my job daily. And Olivia allegedly responds, I'm sorry this has gotten so out of control. It's so hard to understand what's happening without being there. I'll call as soon as I've spoken to Jason. I'm on my way to work now. I hope you're okay. And she responds, Olivia, this has been going on since you left, not just happening now. Which, to me, from what I gather, almost made it seem as though it was Jason that had more day-to-day contact with the nanny, which to your earlier point about why it could be confusing as to that they're both on the same side, just a hypothetical, assuming this is all true, it could be that it was really Jason that was communicating with her more frequently. And so Olivia is kind of taking his lead on that interaction, because that's kind of the vibe that you get from this in the later stages. Did, did you feel that same way? Yeah, I guess it could also be like Olivia obviously already rocked the boat so much in terms of leaving that when it came to child care at this point and co-parenting, maybe she was allowing him to take the lead in order to you know, maintain some peace there. I don't know. What would be interesting to me is if any of these texts are used in court during their custody battle, because it really does paint the picture, at least from the nanny's perspective and the text perspective, that Jason was the one that had the kids most of the time or was kind of taking the lead on certain parenting things. And so it would be interesting if these were used to set up that timeline and set up Um, or allow the court to get a better understanding of the kids day to day with Jason and Olivia, because obviously, as we've, you know, seen from the custody papers being served and what Olivia has said in her court documents, there is a discrepancy between the two of them over where the kids should be primarily raised, whether it's LA, London, or New York. Well, you just mentioning the legalities of it all in terms of the custody brings me to the thing that I've been thinking about since reading this article, which is Obviously, we're not going to comment on who's more fit custody-wise. We have no idea. That's not at all something we would even attempt to get into. But let's go back to April of this year when Olivia is on stage at CinemaCon presenting in front of 4,000 executives, Don't Worry Darling, and she's served with custody papers by the process server. And, you know, she was saying that that was appalling and vicious. And Jason publicly apologized, saying, I understand that the process server had only done her job. However, I deeply regret what happened. And there was a big discrepancy there because according to Olivia, you know, that was orchestrated by Jason. And according to Jason, the process server was just doing their job and he really had nothing to do with it. Again, who knows really what is correct on that? But if you were in the camp of believing that that was Jason who orchestrated it happening there... This article probably makes you believe that a little more. You know, I could see somebody going either way with that. I could see that it, the article and and how distraught Jason was and how upset he was by this whole thing. I could see somebody having the takeaway after reading this that, oh, he 100% did that. Like 100% this was some sort of a revenge act. I could also see somebody having the takeaway after reading this article and viewing him more favorably and then kind of 
arriving at the conclusion of like, oh, he's just like this heartbroken guy. You know what I mean? Like making him look a little bit more innocent than maybe you, somebody who believes that he would serve her in that manner would believe. Yeah, that's also a good point. I, I don't know. I think I'm just blown away by the messiness of this all, really. The being served the court documents at CinemaCon almost reshaped this entire story. If that one event never happened, then Jason 100%, 10 times out of 10 times, no matter what happened in this story, is coming out on top looking like the good, innocent party. That one event changed the entire way that you look at this story. And I'm not saying that you look at this now and you put Olivia in a favorable light. That's not the case. It almost evens them out a little bit because that move really was so dirty and so wrong. And I'm not saying he 100% did it, but based on the way that everyone has described that event going down and what would have needed to happen in order for a court processor to be there, including Jason telling them where Olivia was going to be, um, getting event passes, having a different alias potentially to get into that event. Like everything in the explanation kind of points at Jason knowing about this and therefore like, I'm not saying it completely even the playing field, but it it definitely did more than if it didn't happen at all. Well, there's also the idea that he knew it was going to take place there because it was confirmed that she was going to be there, but he never would have thought that it would have happened on stage. Uh, there's a million different theories, and we will never know 100% for a fact what the deal was because obviously I think there's a typical way the process servers do these type of things, but we'll never know for a fact exactly as it went down because he vehemently denies it and she continues to say that it was a, an appalling, disgusting move, which I, I do think that it was, and she really believes that he was behind it. So I don't know. I mean, the other thing, just sheerly public perception wise, in this article, she does outline, you know, apparently Jason's increasing drinking throughout the whole situation. And both Olivia and the nanny at times really didn't want to be interacting with him because, you know, they were dealing with him when he was drunk and angry. And that was not something that they felt comfortable or, or even safe kind of doing. I think that's also worth noting. You know, not that there were any major allegations here, but just to kind of paint the picture of what was going on and maybe how everyone involved felt. Right. Totally. Yeah. I, I just can't stress enough how much I was not expecting this. This was really a lot. It, no, this was <laughs> this was huge to get on this on this Monday morning. This is so messy. That's why I go back to the Harry of it all. Like he by just logistics is very heavily involved here, whether or not he wants to be. And that is clearly a choice. Staying in this amidst all of the chaos is a choice and not one that can't be dismissed because he has no, if he wasn't like really, really into this relationship, he could so easily bow out. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there have been rumors for the past month about, or couple of months about whether or not they're still together and, you know, you've seen them sporadically, especially during the Don't Worry Darling press. And it will be interesting to see if now that they aren't really working together, what comes of their relationship, whether it strengthens because the drama of the Don't Worry Darling has kind of taken a backseat. And, you know, I, presumably there won't be too much explosive details of the relationship between the two of them that comes out. And so maybe things settle down. Or if because they're not working together anymore and it's kind of past that maybe the relationship doesn't carry through. I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see. If you ask me, I would say they were still together, but I wouldn't be surprised if a breakup was imminent. Well, they are still together. Remember we saw them last week, the paparazzi photos of them in like Bedford, New York, having a very kind of casual, intimate dinner. If On her end though, just purely, listen, we don't know either of them as people. We have no idea. But just on her end from the perception aspect especially after a story like this comes out she wants to stay with harry as long as physically possible because basically if you do a really reductive summary of this entire article it's basically like again this is not me talking this is just what you get from reading it olivia wilde blew up her entire family based on a crush over forward one direction harry styles that's like what it basically is said so if i'm her i'm like I am staying in this relationship as long as physically possible, especially after something like this coming out, because the last thing I want to look is like, I made all this, my husband is heartbroken, my family is a wreck, and I didn't even stay with the guy. Again, there would be nothing wrong if that ended up happening. I'm not like blaming her. I'm just saying if I'm her, that's probably the angle that I'm coming at it from. 
Oh, absolutely. In my mind, though, like this relationship has lasted long enough that you didn't just blow, blow it up for a crush. You know what I mean? Like, I'm impressed by how long this relationship has lasted. When we were doing the outline, I said to you, wow, I can't believe we're going on two years of Harry and Olivia. It didn't even feel like that. I would have I guessed know. a year, honestly. I know. But I just think to the general public, not to say that's not a long time, but I think it's still not solidified in their minds. And I think she also knows how mean people have been about their relationship and specifically like the diehard Harry fans, how not down for this they are, which of course she's not – you know, they're not doing this to appease anyone. They're doing it for themselves, obviously. But I still think for her, that thought process of like, well, it's been long enough to prove that point. I, I don't think that that actually tracks to a lot of people that are viewing this. Harry and Olivia could get married. And if they got divorced, his fans would still celebrate that. You know what I mean? There's no timeline there in terms of his fans being happy about the relationship being over. I don't think they'll ever fully get on board. But I guess that's also two different things. The relationship between Harry and Olivia is different than the relationship between Olivia and Jason and the grounds for which that ended. I know, but I do think there's something to be said for the relationship not being as picture perfect as people around them, aka the nanny, maybe thought or has described, even if it's true that Olivia made a comment about getting married to him just a month before the split. Like, yes, everything we've ever said about Harry Styles coming in and whisking you off your feet, I think is totally true and accurate and maybe happen in this scenario. But to say that it was like the best, most solid relationship and then this happened, I don't think that that's fair to her because clearly that wasn't the case. I don't I don't even know if you have the full capacity to feel that way about someone else if you are so entirely invested in your relationship. Maybe it was something that was going on internally that she hadn't expressed. Like who knows? Oh, totally. I just really believe that Jason could come out tomorrow and say, you know, um, my relationship with Olivia, while it like technically ended in November, really like we fell out of love with each other a while ago and she had every right to do what she did and I support her new relationship. And he could make that very clear in a hypothetical world and Harry's fans would still not be on board with, with this whole thing. No, absolutely. It's a no-win situation in that regard. I just, wow. This was really wild. I cannot wait to see if either of them comment. I don't even know if our, our feelings will change. I mean, we were recording this like an hour after reading the article. So by tomorrow, the, the feelings may be different. I just, this is like pretty much a live reaction. I know. And I know this is going to be the next thing that we're going to talk about because obviously we weren't going to do this episode without it. But if I'm Selena and Haley, I'm so happy that this came out today because that picture circulated, created the buzz that it needed to create, and then didn't go on a day longer than it needed to because this really captured the internet. Yeah, let's get into that. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. 
And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so Saturday night was the second annual Academy Museum Gala. It raised funds for the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. And we start to see photos from the event. Everyone looks, the word that I'm going to use to describe most people's looks were dashing. Like I'm scrolling through and it's Haley, Kaya Gerber, Jodie Turner-Smith, Olivia Wilde. Just everyone looked so stunning. And we were talking about that way before anything Haley and Selena. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, Tyrell Hampton, who is a photographer and close friend of Haley's, posted a photo of Haley and Selena with the caption, plot twist. And when I tell you this broke the internet, it broke the motherfucking internet. And then not only did we get that one photo, there were other photos taken, other photos of them hugging, other photos of them posing together. Like this was definition broke the internet. I think no one expected that we would ever get photos of the two of them together When that photo went up, I was like, this must be Photoshopped. I was shook by that in a way that I don't even know if I expected to be. Like if you would have told me that someone was going to post a photo of them specifically after the Call Her Daddy interview, I would have anticipated myself to be surprised. But the reaction that I had blew me away because I think the other thing, which is so not the point, but you could tell that the event was so kind of star-studded and so glamorous and they both looked so glamorous so you weren't just getting like a casual paparazzi photo of them both leaving craigs it was like here they were both looking so stunning clearly taking this moment to pose together multiple times to make a statement i think that's what i was so taken aback by like it, it wasn't the brad and jen at the sag awards where it's the paparazzi photo of them and it happens to be a hand grab as they're walking by it's like no Haley and selena made a choice that they were going to take a jaw-dropping photo to really change the narrative. And they did that. Especially so soon after the Caller Daddy interview. I mean, which had to have played a catalyst in this. Obviously, after that interview came out, Selena also posted something saying, like, if you're my fans, like, you know that the one thing that I always advocate for is treating people with kindness. And I think that both of them are really, really like when they say women supporting women, from what we've seen from both of them, like they seem to put their money where their mouth is. And I think for the two of them, this was a real moment and a real opportunity to prove that. And they definitely did so. But God, I would have done anything for the behind the scenes of this photo, how it went down, who spoke to who first. Did they say hi and then decide to take the photo? Did they say hi earlier in the night and then come back around to each other? Like, was this discussed before? Had they been texting? Had they spoken after the Caller Daddy interview and then, you know, decided the next time we see each other in public, maybe we'll do this? Like, I have a million questions about how this went down. Well, that was my first question. Did they speak before? Which I don't know. I could really see it going either way. I think that I'm 50-50 because there is a part of me that thinks that the answer to that is yes, that they did speak after the Caller Daddy interview. I'm even going to go as far as to say that it's possible Selena could have called her. Like, I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. But also, let's say the flip side of that is they really just happened to see each other here. It was the first time that they were in the room together. Justin was not there. And it just felt like kind of the right moment to, quote, make it right. I don't know. I don't think it's the craziest thing, though, that this was almost premeditated. No, I don't. I don't think so either. (laughs) You know what my first thought was? I almost like just want to send it in a group chat to Kylie and Jordan Woods and be like, come on, if they can do it, you guys can make up. Oh, that would talk about a break the internet moment. Not more, but (laughs) equal. Dare dare I say equal, which is crazy for so many reasons. But yeah, this was peak pop culture. No, it was peak pop culture. And I know that everyone listening to this had the same or a very similar reaction to seeing the photo as we did of kind of just like, holy shit. But I I think what's so wild about this is that you knew when you saw this photo, it signaled like peace. That's really the vibe that I got, just like serenity and peace and putting the past in the past. But what's so interesting is that they were never publicly feuding. You always knew that they were in some ways at odds with one another or maybe at odds with each other's fans, but it wasn't like they had this very public feud where they were going at it and now this is signaling it. It's almost like everything that we knew was taking place without it actually being said. 
Well, that was always my view of this. And I think that if you're a really rational person looking at this situation, that's your view of it too, where even when Haley's doing this call her daddy interview, she's not doing it to say anything to Selena, to allege anything against Selena, to clarify anything that Selena had said that she wants to then explain her side of the story. That wasn't it at all. It was really towards the fans. It was really towards like, just leave us alone. Like both parties, leave Selena alone. She didn't want to be in this relationship. It didn't serve her. And leave me and Justin alone because like enough time has passed that this just doesn't matter anymore. And so that picture together of the two of them was really like when Haley says in her interview, we've spoken since then. If we can get over it, why can't everybody else? Or like, you know, whatever she says, that picture right there signifies it. Like that picture right there is like, Let's actually put this to rest now. I know. And it. I think that's the other thing which we talk about a lot is like when we get a – I'm going to call it a pop culture artifact like this and you know that the people either in the photo or in the social media interaction or whatever it is know the power behind what they're doing. Like this is not some unassuming thing. They made a choice. They made a conscious choice to do this and we received that choice with the exact power that I think they wanted us to. And by the way, to your point – I totally agree with you that they probably would both be happy about some of the attention being taken off of it because if it were to just linger with nothing else, which is actually what we thought was going to happen for a while there because there were really no other stories, it has the potential to take a really positive thing and start to turn negative, which it almost did a little bit just by some really diehard fans in either direction. So I think you're really accurate in that. Like It had its moment. It was received so strongly. And now we kind of can put it up as something that occurred and now move on to the next thing that's far more salacious. Totally. Totally. I mean, listen, even when it got put up, there were certain Selena fans or Jolena fans, whatever you want to call them, that like immediately reacted negatively to the photo. But for the most part, which is like the rational audience viewing this of just pop culture lovers, they were just obsessed with it. They were obsessed with the idea of it, the fact that it happened, the significance of it. And like really a great lesson for everybody involved is like the people who speak the loudest are not like, are not the people that are viewing this situation the way that most people are. They are not the majority. It's a very small group of people that really want to express a lot of hatred and have really deep feelings about this that most people don't have. Most people, when this came out, were so, so beyond happy because they never really cared that much in the first place. But they care about the fact that it happened, that the pop culture significance of them taking a picture together is greater than the chatter that happened previous to it. Well, right. And that's what we were saying going back to Haley's Call Her Daddy interview of like, of course, if you're her, you're going to hear the hate the most because it is the loudest. But to our exact point on that discussion of like, some people were probably even confused why she was using that platform to talk so much about this. It's kind of a similar thing of like, when push comes to shove, the majority of rational people are not at all invested in that same way and yet are in full celebration of this because like, what a moment. Absolutely. Also, by the way, POV or Justin, like obviously I'm sure Tyrell sent Haley that photo before it was posted and maybe she even got a copy that night and maybe they sent Justin a selfie. Who the fuck knows? But like I think to be Justin Bieber and to watch this whole thing unfold on social media is probably a very unique experience. Wait, also like now now I'm just going. New dream, new dream unlocked. Haley and Selena walking outside of the event, like in the bathroom, FaceTiming Justin to his full surprise. Uh, new dream unlocked. But let me tell you something that didn't happen. But just for one second, go with me on it. Yeah. I mean, listen, that would be insane. But I think that the reason that this works is if we're being logical about it, is that like Selena wants nothing to do with Justin. Yeah. And he wasn't I there. Think- Right. Like the only reason that this was even able to take place is because Justin was not there. And not that I think that there's bad blood between Selena and Justin. I think if they saw each other in public, it's very cordial. I think that they wish the best for each other. I just think that it's not when it comes to the relationship between Justin and Selena without Haley being involved, it's not a narrative that either of them want a piece of when it comes to the narrative of like women supporting women and being there for each other. And like this girl did nothing wrong in our relationship. That's what Selena's more interested in. And so 
I think that this can only take place if like the entire Justin element is almost left out of it. I totally like one million percent absolutely, and that's why that didn't take place. It's just a you know alternate universe in which it did. New dream unlocked though. The two of them go to the bathroom and FaceTime Sophia Richie, and then they have a little powwow. The three of them. Uh, now we're talking. <laughs> Do you forget that they dated? No, I didn't forget that they dated. And actually, I think it was uh, not skinny, not fat that recently posted Justin's post from back in the day where he posted that selfie with Sophia in the car and was like, I'm going to make my Instagram private if you guys don't stop being mean to my girlfriend, which clearly there's a trend there. Well, that was really interesting. And I actually thank you for bringing that up because I meant to say that too. That was really interesting because that was almost the birth of Justin fans taking Selena's side because Selena then came out and defended his fans saying like, don't turn on your fans just because you decided to do this. Like they've always been there for you or something like that. And so that was the, not that his fans weren't obsessed with Justin and Selena prior to that, but I think that's when they formed sort of an allegiance to him according to the sequence of events there. I got to say though, like I feel that I've watched a lot of interviews of Selena's recently and the person that commented that is not the person now. Like she was clearly still in the throes of the toxicity that that relationship caused her. And I think looking back on it, that's obviously not something that she would do ever again. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. If you're if you're making a case against Selena, it's really easy, I think, to cite that. And I think that that's really wrong because that, that was so long ago. And there's no way she would ever engage in something like that now. I don't think it was even wrong of her to do in the first place. I think it was potentially bold based on the way that we view celebrities now and the way they interact with social media and their exes. But I don't think it was necessarily wrong of her. I would never cite that against her. But you're right. It's a different Selena because obviously as they've aged and they've grown up, you know, they wouldn't interact with each other in that way. It's a different age of celebrity. That reminded me the way that celebrities used to use social media was entirely different than they do now. No one comments in that way. No one talks about their exes in that way. No one would be that public. But back then, it wasn't that uncommon. No, it, it wasn't at all. Oh, my God. I think about the, the OG days. But wait, I do think that if, again, this is not me. I really am a very, very, very big fan of Selena's as I am of Haley's. But if you are trying to make that case, like at least back in the day, if you were, I do think that you could cite that as a negative because – I mean, if you really boil it down, she was, yes, saying don't kind of like um, punish your fans for this. But really what it was is she wasn't standing up for the girl that was being bullied. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that that was the best look if if we're going to go back. Oh, that's interesting. I think you could dig and get to that point if you wanted to. But I don't think that Listen, she had no it's, – it's so interesting thinking about this now from this lens. I think that she had no um, allegiance to either side. She didn't have to defend Bieber fans and she didn't have to fe- defend Sophia Richie. I understand what you're saying in the sense of like, well, if you're going to stick up for one, stick up for the person being bullied, not the fans. Like I totally get that. But I also think for Selena having had a lot of Justin fans and having a lot of overlap there, it was almost like she was protecting her fans as well. Right, but think about it in the reverse. Again, I don't even know why we're going this deep on this. Like, I, I, neither of us are trying to look at it from the negative. Like, I love them all, all three, everyone involved here, and Sophia Richie. But just like, just for purposes of discussion, it, it's. I think it's more so that, to your exact point, knowing the intensity of the fans, even though in her case they were skewed positive and and in favor of her, she out of anyone could understand how scary it must be when all of them are against you. And like, if no one, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, again, none of this, none of this matters. But just to pop culture, uh, trip down memory lane for a second. Wait. Also, I'm sorry. This fucking Pete Davidson reportedly checked on Kim Kardashian following Kanye West controversy from Hollywood Unlocked. I believe that. Get back together, you cowards! But don't you like fully believe that they were at least briefly conversing in this recent stuff? And I know we made a, a, a promise that after last week we're like really doing our best to not talk about Kanye. It's it's too upsetting, but I think that that totally happened. I do too, especially because when this happened with Kanye in the past, it was really bonding for the both of them, as we kind of predicted, and a lot of it was 
hate directed at Pete Davidson, but a lot of it was towards Kim and her parenting and the kids. And Pete was really, really involved in that. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that he would want to check in with her knowing exactly what being at the heat of this is like for Kim. No, besides her family members, Heat is probably the person that knows this the best. Totally. Oh my God. And also he was the person that was on the receiving end of Kanye's attacks for so long. The other And person. also he's still bringing him up. And like, it's not like Pete's name has suddenly been left out of the equation just because they broke up. He's still being spoken about by Kanye. And so it makes sense to me that they, they would be conversing about that. I hope that they're still friends. Like based on everything that we've heard, they did have such a nice relationship and she viewed him so kindly as a person that I would hope that, you know, maybe they are able to maintain some sort of a friendship and their relationship just didn't work out. But if they were at an event where it's Travis, Machine Gun Kelly and Machine Gun Kelly brings Pete that, you know, Kim and Pete would be super platonically able to be together in the same room. Oh, and hopefully one day maybe get back together. Oh, a thousand percent to the platonically happy in the same room. I mean, think about it. If something happened that was so terrible, which it didn't, she would never allow her speaking so kindly about him on this season of Kardashians. That just didn't happen. No. Yeah. I never viewed her as the hurt party. I viewed him as the hurt party. Yeah. Wow. I just can't believe we started today being like, well, we're, you know, probably gonna have to do a recap on some episode or something because really nothing is going on then all of a sudden just like so many things happen i mean i was really concerned for this episode no i know and i mean it's being released tuesday but i think that that's like best case scenario i'd rather release it tuesday and be able to talk about the jason olivia stuff than struggle to do it sunday night and release like a 36 minute episode stretching out the Haley and selena thing to me that feels like the smarter move same yeah and then the jason and olivia stuff is fresh Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, I should say the schedule for this week, I think, is going to be a little bit different with Bravo and Kardashians because I think it, they'll switch days. So either it'll be Bravo Wednesday, Kardashians Thursday or Friday or Bravo Thursday, Kardashians Friday. Not entirely sure yet. It depends what we end up doing with BravoCon and episode for Kardashians. But just want to give everyone that heads up. Um, okay. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for listening and, and being on this ride with us. We love you. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.